You're listening to Red Nation Online. Hey, Eastside Stand Up listener. As always, we appreciate you downloading the podcast and want to ask you a quick favor. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you checked out rednationonline.ca. Added us on Twitter at rednationonline. Give us the thumbs up on Facebook as well as iTunes. Any or all of those would be awesome. Thanks so much and enjoy another episode of Eastside Stand Up. Brothers and sisters are natural enemies, like Englishmen and Scots, or Welshmen and Scots, or Japanese and Scots, or Scots and other Scots. Damn Scots! They ruined Scotland! Saturday, June 22nd, it's Waking the Reds' Duncan Fletcher in I'm Ian Clark, and we are live and direct from a crowded TFC-watching football factory celebrating Toronto FC's nil-nil draw with the Houston Dynamo. Hey, one team's winless streak is another's unbeaten run, and the Reds earned a solid point against a very tough team on the road. There are plenty of positives to pull from this game, even more so than last week's win. We look at Toronto's first clean sheet of the season, go through 90 minutes in extra time, looking at what TFC did to not concede late, and marvel at the performance of Steve Caldwell, made in Scotland from Gooders. All in the next 45 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Episodes past, try to come up with like adjectives or words to describe, you know, what we're thinking, how we're feeling after this game. I can't. There's only so many times you can say depressed and. Exactly. But bewilderment. That's what what I'm thinking. It's confusing right now. (laughs) Bewilderment. Confusion. Yes. Um, And it's like before we even find this up, it's like, Duncan, I'm I'm just so not used to maybe having a discussion of. More on a positive slant, maybe yeah. than or like actually being able to genuinely look forward to something. Yeah, positivity, stability. It's clean sheets. This is it's craziness. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I don't know. And we, we, I'm scared. We drank all these pints so we could be cursing and surly, <laughs> exactly, and angry. And it's just like, well, you know what? I, we're happy drunks. Is happy, that happy drunk? You don't get happy drunk with TFC often. No, and Woo. obviously we'll. I'll go back and start it off as usual. I mean, obviously, as any Toronto FC supporter know by now, we didn't lose. We nil-nil draw against the Houston Dynamo. A lot of firsts, a lot of good things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Clean sheet. Clean sheet. Where I don't know where. I, the one thing when I wanted to start was, you know, I looked on Waking the Red. I saw the um, How You Doing. Even my own predict. We had all two twos. Yeah. We're all looking at two twos for this game. I don't know what what was in the air. What we were thinking. <laughs> I could. I think I could rationalize that scoreline of just you know Toronto is a team that can't keep a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Houston's a team who's on a bit of a slide. And uh, I thought that was a recipe, maybe for a couple goals here and there. And the way that Toronto's been playing, it seemed plausible. I mean, you know, the like Toronto conceding nil, not plausible at all. Try and be optimistic, and you know, I don't really want to predict a defeat. So yeah, we'll go with a draw, and yeah, we'll probably let in at least a couple of goals. 
So yeah, I'll try two two, but didn't lead in any. Yeah, and the they, the weird. I don't know. I guess it's maybe they do just make the schedule this way. But I find like a lot of these podcasts, I I'm able to say, oh, we're playing like we're playing Philadelphia, and Danny Coverman is coming back literally to the day that he broke the losing streak. And we're looking at this, and this is almost the exact same day as the three-three draw in Houston. Yeah. So that was another game that I'm looking back at, saying, oh shit, like here we go again. Couple goals, Coverman's coming back. Is he gonna be the man that that pulls it off? Jeremy Hall, you know, he's about to score again, and then, you know, this is, you know, Kuhlman's had a five minute run out. It was, you know, a very ill thought out human victory cigar kind of moment, but this is, now he's actually ready. He'll go out there, this could happen. And to have a real run out. Out run out. Yes. Towards the end of the game, the ball launched down into the corner. Kuhlman outruns a Houston defender, which I think is just outright craziness. Thinking about fresh legs, you know, the Houston guy had been going for 90 minutes by that point, but, you know, Kuhlman outruns someone. Bananas. Crazy. This is a a Twilight Zone shit we're talking Yeah. I, you know, I'm waiting for, uh, who is it? Yeah, I said that before. Rod Serling is going to come out and say this isn't reality. Um, but coming into this game, you know, the other thing, too, when we're looking at a 2-2 draw, one of my main concerns, too, was looking back on last week's win and how we were going to keep that maybe in perspective. Because I kind of was like, yeah, okay, we won, but... Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice result at the time. It's like, yeah, we're gonna get a win. And then you kind of think about it, and it's like, hmm, right. one shot on target and didn't really create many other chances. And DC or shit. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down to. One, they they beat uh, San Jose today, yeah. So therefore, we're better than San Jose as well. I, I think it's only fair to say that. Yes. It's if we want to, if we want to go crazy, right. we must be now be better a lot than a lot of teams. Eastern Conference revolt right now. <laughs> DC and Toronto winning. It's craziness. Yeah. Uh, everyone's been notified. <laughs> DC and Toronto. Shit's changing from here on in. Uh, yes. On the up. Um, and then of course, actually getting in this game. Uh, you know they're making a lot of the BBA, BBVA Compass Stadium. Thirty-six degrees. All that business, but you know, Houston's on a I wouldn't say terrible skid, but I guess by their standards, by TFC standards, it's respectable, uh, <laughs> but by their standards, yeah, hadn't won in five games, only got three points in the last two games, in the last uh, five games, so yeah, by, by TFC standards, they would have called it unbeaten in two, yes, but by Houston standards, they're on a winless streak, yeah, and that's 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 yeah. kind of the way you go to, but. They had, uh, most notably in that, two, after the, what was it, 36 games at home? It was 36 games unbeaten, yeah. uh, A loss to New England, and uh, a loss... It was Kansas first, and then New and England. And then New England. So... There for the taking. There for the taking. That's what we were thinking, and... The other thing that... Do you think that Houston are panicking now? You know? All of a sudden, it's like, you're so shit, you can't even score? Not even you can beat TFC. You're so shit you can score on TFC, which is just absolutely crazy. You know what? If I was uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't panic if I was Houston. To be, I would. I would panic as much as the Galaxy were panicking at the start of last year. I think at, at, at this point, that franchise should feel pretty comfortable that you would help with Kinnear at the helm. They'll figure something out in the in the midsummer to bring someone in. 
one of the guys. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't see Garcia today, if I'm not mistaken, and that's a guy, I think, who have, who's on the field, and he can create a lot of trouble. Yes. And they just needed one more guy up front, I think, to make it happen. I'm not too convinced about... Well, I'm definitely not convinced about Barnes at the penalty spot. Uh, no. Not convinced about his haircut either. Oh, jeez. But, uh, but after that... Uh, yeah. Will Bruin looked good last year, this year, didn't he? And, yeah, he had maybe take two or three good chances. Yeah, not happening. For I, there was a good tweet good. out there. I think it was. I think it was Dino Rossi who made a joke about him being like, other than he's been being big and strong, just goes to prove that you need a little bit more than just those two attributes to yeah. be. But I would also say, if I'm, he's probably coming what 25 now. I find that most like U.S. bred, they're looking more at 26, 27, 28 before they really, you know, break through. Wondolowski. You know, he wasn't doing that at 25. Even Clint Dempsey, I think, even though he wasn't in the league, I think he was moving on at that point. Didn't really start kicking until 27, 28. But Toronto coming in this game, here's another thing I think that's a key factor to this result that we talked about was consistency. Mm -hmm. A little bit of stability. Yes. In the lineup. Yes. Three games, roughly, we've seen stability. Yeah, I mean, basically, there was the, the game against Philadelphia, then... Uh, last week against DC, this week against Houston, the only change to the lineup is Donny Henry going out because he was suspended. They brought Agbosson on the end and then, you know, Henry's eligible again, they brought him back in. That's, aside from that change, the exact same lineup for three straight weeks, which, um, which definitely helps. I mean, if you look at, like, the start of the season, we almost had a, you know, more or less a set first 11 and we looked okay, then... I know there's been a couple of injuries and results weren't going well. It seemed like they panicked and for about a month or a couple of months, it's like it's constantly you guys coming in, the change in the lineups, and unsurprisingly, it all went wrong. Now, you know, it seems like they've stumbled across again their first choice 11 and they're putting the same guys out there. and. You know, it's increased familiarity or whatever it is. It's yeah, they're actually playing well. The, the, the defense is what it's now. One goal against Philadelphia, one against DC, zero against Houston. It's that's what's going to come from stability. It's, yeah, it's a good thing. And if you Houston's really want to go example of that, yeah. And if you really want to go glass half full, I mean, the DC game was on a penalty kick. True. So that you know, there's just again, we basically had yeah. One, you know, that one late game brain fat against Philadelphia, leaving Jack McInerney open. Aside from that, that's basically three games without letting in a goal from open play. Kind of ish. <laughs> kind of ish. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If I, I don't know. If I, the McInerney one. That was pretty legit. Was, yeah, was but I think that's a great point yeah. because I think the one thing that we look at the start of the year when we came out, we kind of came out of the gate actually looking, I think, a lot better than most of us would have thought. Yeah. And I think when you have. You know, preseason behind you, you go with a set lineup those first few weeks, there is some stability. And then I think panic was the right word to use that I think when they kind of weren't winning those games and they're just like scoring late, you know, uh, Nelson starts to panic, starts to switch things up. But it wasn't just like one or two guys. Like, you know, when you look at New England, for example, they make that trade for Agadello. I mean, that's one guy that comes in and sort of changes things up. I mean, that's not the same as Toronto completely overhauling that back line and, and it, to be fair injuries played a factor of it too when you see Dunfield go you see Ern, you see Eckersley go well, Eckersley had been switched over to left back 
here or there before. So yeah, I mean, they were, it seemed like they were scrambling. And I don't really think they needed to scramble. It's like, you know, I mean, we'd let in the odd little goal here. I mean, the, Phila the early Philadelphia one, you could potentially blame on Morgan being sent off. Before that, you know, the game against LA, that was a really, really good finish from Villarreal. I think, you know, those first few late goals we let in, it was the sort of thing you can write off as bad luck. And rather than just kind of keeping going with things, there was there was kind of panic and we've got to change this and change this. And then it's almost like we, we just went through a second preseason in May. Yeah. It was constantly, oh, we've got a whole bunch of new guys in that have to get used to each other. And, you know, now more or less they are. We had the same lineup and we're getting results. Yeah, and I think we've seen this through, I think it's through the history of the club. Where it's just like they make these whole scale changes. I mean, we saw this with Mariner coming in, and once he started really tooling things around, but I'll be a little bit fair and say injuries played a factor as well. They struggled, and it's just like, like I think it's right. Settle it down. We've seen three games with the same guys. I think a lot of these guys, I'm sure we'll see them all next weekend against Real Salt Lake. Hey, Laba didn't get a yellow. We'll see him next week. I'm very excited about that. I think that's a huge huge factor but let's just roll in the game a bit because for once I'm not we're not going to go through and just bitch and moan and whatever I kind of thought there was a, there was there was a lot of action I mean I probably won't we probably will hit every single point because there was enough stuff going back and forth and I thought especially in that first 30 minutes yeah Toronto definitely stood toe-to-toe -to -toe. I was thinking at one point I'm happy with the way things are going and I don't think it was unfair I think they were actually a team of Houston's pedigree and stability and background for Toronto to kind of hang in there and play with them was like that was completely positive yeah, I was say, a good like first thirty minutes. I wouldn't say a full first half, but yeah, I mean, there was like some half chances there. It was like Earnshaw had a shot that was blocked, and you know, a couple of times he got crosses like came across the box. You couldn't quite get the final touch, but there were a few nice moves going forward, and we didn't look too bad at the back. I, you know. Ryan Richter remains an adventure every time, but Stephen Caldwell was like immense back there. I mean, he was looking good. Towards the end of the first half, like Houston really piled it on and it was looking a bit rough, but you know, we survived. And the second half, again, I don't really feel like Houston were really that much all over us, so, you know? Yeah, I think that, I mean, you touched on some good things because that's, I think those were there were some key parts of the games in terms of how this was like this was going to unfold. This this game was going to work out. You know, one thing we definitely saw was the Ash against Richter. Yeah. Or Ash and, and Davis against yeah, Richter. Yeah, Brad Davis on the left, Ash helping out with the overlap. Yeah, Richter was a little out of his depth. Yeah, and I think that was smart from from Houston. I mean, they definitely yeah. was isolated that as a as a good opportunity, and they went on it over and over. And it's like to their not as their credit, but I mean, they had that great chance where Bruin kind of it was. Yeah. You know, and I'll give maybe Bruin credit for that because he lay back and let. Caldwell and OD and Henry pick up different guys. Yeah, they were all backing somebody. It's not like people were just standing around doing nothing. Yeah. But yeah, they were marking people and then there was no one left to mark Bruin. And you know, fortunately he headed it over. But yeah, that's one that move came down like Houston's left hand side and yeah, they recognized 
Richter was out of his depth, and oh, yeah. you know they really went after him. Yeah, I know somebody. Yeah, and that was for me. That was that was a key play in the first half for Houston, where it should they should have recognized. Okay, yeah, we can maybe pile this on and make it happen. And that was I think that's an accurate observation that we both discussed. That I almost felt like if Houston had another one or two minutes of added time, <laughs> I was worried they might have scored because the right towards the end there was like one last break that they didn't quite get through to the box where you saw four guys just just coming straight at goal and I yeah. you know we've seen it before yeah we've seen it before like that ball coming low or something and someone just runs onto it and slots it in he had it written all over absolutely TFC was the, the boxer getting the crap beat out of him that gets saved by the bell absolutely yeah we needed that halftime whistle and then the only other thing I think to note Celtic v Barcelona with what 18% possession 12% possession I mean we're sitting there at 31 I think it was 32 to 68 yeah which is I, we got up to like 35, 36 at one point they flashed it in the second half and we were up a little but yeah like 30 odd percent that's about right yeah and that's that's where you see that statistic you're kind of thinking you kind of maybe put that first half in a little bit a different perspective and saying you know the, the first 30 minutes were great the final 15 yeah, uh, a little bit yeah. touch and go so, like, there. Yeah. Like, yeah. so, and I think so. At the halftime, I know we kind of discussed what, how is this gonna, what's gonna happen, what's Nelson gonna do, how are they gonna come out in the second half? Because I couldn't have seen them continuing like like they were in the first half and coming away with anything. And of course, the two-two draw, the two-two scoreline was hanging in the balance. I don't know if either of us knew how this was gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, looking back, I, how was I predicting we were going to score two goals? I, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned kind of coming out in the second half. And TFC, I don't know what Brian Nelson said, but they came out. And the first, like, five minutes or so of the second half, we were just all over them, you know. I had, like, half chances. There was a lot of pressure and some corners and uh, a welcome change. Yeah, like, I mean, literally right off the start. And I think... You know, the, the commentary kind of had a little bit, I don't want to say the jab, but I mean, they were like, oh, Silva, whatever, kind of a so-so game. But I mean, the 48th minute, that was that was him, Convy getting into Silva and the 1-2 where he sort of like lofted it over the top to earn shot to run on to. I mean, there was a little bit. I thought Silva has maybe been slightly underwhelming this year, but not, I wouldn't call him a disappointment yet. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't go as far as a disappointment. He has like been underwhelming, and you look at how he finished last year. Um, you know, he seemed to combine very well with Eric Hasley, who was scoring plenty of goals. It's like, yeah, all right, Luis Silva, he's one of our guys going forward, no problem. This year, he hasn't quite got it going, but yeah, I mean, today, I mean, even in the first half a little as well, there was like a few times he's kind of linking up nicely with that Azorio down the right-hand side, and then, yeah, that one where he did sort of, like, flick it onto Earth, create the chance for Earnshaw, so, you know, he's... he's He's earning his keep. He, he earned his night out at Club Escobar tonight. Yeah, and yeah. and the other thing I would, as much as I, I we know what he can bring and how much I want to see more from it. I I always like there's these. I find the guys that come out of the NCAA. I always like trying to draw back and be like, all right, keep it in perspective. Sometimes these guys, they do take two or three years before they really start clicking on all cylinders in the league. You look at Graham Zusi. 
I mean, he didn't just walk out of the NCAA and, and tear it up. You know, he was like 25 before he started. Really shining as this great MLS caliber player. Yeah. I think I think that's something to remember as well. And even if you want to say, I mean, Hall's having a great year this year. I mean, he's been in the league for four or five years now, if I'm not mistaken. He's 25 now. He would have come in, I think, when he was 20. So, you know, he's, I think now he like he looks like a very like capable. Like, what do you call like, yeah. oh, I don't know. Well, not the right word, but like MLS caliber guy. Yeah. You know he's, what I mean? He's nothing special. Nobody's going to be you know coming over from Europe to scout Jeremy Hall. But you know, this, this kid's got a, a solid career in MLS ahead of him for another five, seven, eight years, whatever it might be. Um, I think playing the midfield helps with that. I. Yeah, I think he was he was a midfielder, and then you know last year he was always playing at fullback. He was always, eh, you know, terrible. Anyway, yeah, I, let's but, be honest. Yeah, he was a yeah. br- I w- he was as me- much an adventure as Ryan Richter has been this year. But it's like this year, I mean, especially say, alongside Matthias Laver, he has done very very well. Going back to Silva too, I mean, that's this is when we know how the game ends, but I think Toronto. Made some the positive uh, substitutions, especially up top. You know, 58. We see. We're wondering. We see. We see Coverman's warming up on the sideline. We're thinking Brophy might come in. We're trying to guess who's going to come out, and we kind of call it. Silva comes out for Brophy. Jeremy Brophy's a guy. hasn't had too much action. hasn't really started the game. Always coming late. But he, I thought he did pretty good for himself. He did. I mean, he brings. You know, he's got a lot of energy that he brings. He's out there. He's running around. He's causing stuff to happen, and uh, you know, I think he he did link up well. I think with like both Earnshaw and Kuberman's at different times. I I you know maybe like second half sub, maybe that's like just the role that Rocky's going to play for us. But you know, he does it very well. Well, and I'd be wondering too if you know we we have obviously talked about stability in the lineup, but. Maybe after the rail salt like he might maybe give it another chance, but that could be something where you might want to flip that around. Maybe give Brokey a, a chance to start the game and let Silva come in later on. That might be something that could switch things up. And I just think, like, Brokey, I find is, you know, when you have, I don't find Silva the player that's really, although he's not small by any stretch, I don't find him overly physical and willing to kind of get up there to hold up the ball. Whereas we saw this in the first half and through much of the game with Joe Bendick sending these long balls down to Robert Earnshaw, which I find is a bit of a head scratcher. But I mean, Jeremy Brokey's, I think, coming in about six feet tall. He's fairly, you know, fairly physical, can hold his own. I mean, we saw him go toe to toe with a lot of these guys. I think that might be an opportunity to say, you know what, like, if we're going to do it like this, Brokey might be the guy that we could set him up with. And he's not yeah. the ball at his feet either, too. No, it's true. I mean, yeah, for better or worse, it seems, you know, TFC is still. You know, hopefully they're maybe trying to change us, but for now at least, you know, they are still very much. Uh, there's a lot of long balls out there to the strikers and Earnshaw, you know, he's kind of small, he's maybe not going to get there. Silver as well, you say, yeah, he's not really like the physical fight for those long balls. Brocky could be worth a shot. I mean, you know, he is more physical, he's got a lot of energy. Maybe it's just a case that he looks good because he's coming on against players that are tired, but he could be worth a try to give him a start and see if it, uh, see if he can do well. Yeah, and it was like through those, through that sort of like mid-period of the... Uh, 
of the second half. I mean, I got it noted down in terms of like Earnshaw and Brokey, Brokey winning free kicks. That one interplay where he got kind of like strung it through to, to Earnshaw at the top of the 18-yard box, kept running on. Earnshaw kind of fainted the layoff and then came back himself and puts the left-footed shot on goal. And I think that's another guy. You know, we see Earnshaw go as a 76-minute. And the, and the commentary, I think both, when Silva came out and Earnshaw came up, I don't know if they were totally fair because I thought Earnshaw played a pretty good game. In terms like the first the first sort of half of the season, even when he scored those goals, it's sort of been like he's had this one moment where he's popped up. Yeah. And I kind of thought this game, we saw a lot more of him in different capacity. You know, we saw him trying to get behind defenders. We still saw him almost climb up for a header and put one on goal. And then we saw him actually work around in and around the 18-yard box. And, and that play was one I thought was pretty clever. And it sort of showed more, I think, of what Robert Earnshaw offers to us. Yeah, I think he was definitely more involved today. And it's like one of those things. I mean, you know, you judge a striker by the amount of goals that he scored. So you can look at it saying he didn't score. Uh, it's not a great game for Earnshaw, but he was very involved and you know, he was he was close to scoring. I mean, there was like a, one fairly early in the first half, he had a shot blocked. Another one that kind of a couple of times crosses came in the box, he didn't quite get there. Oh, the Conby ball. Yeah. And uh, then, yeah, that one in the second half where, you know, he kind of created the shot for himself. He, he looked very close to scoring today. And I think, you know, there's been other games where it's just it's not happening for him or, you know, he's kind of been served really good chances and he's missing them. I mean, there was none of that today, but it's like he looks... I mean, this was a good performance without scoring. He looked like a striker who was very close to scoring. Yeah. And he came good. out, he came out in the 76, and I made note of the grimy beard. Yeah. The grimy, it's, the it's grimy teenage patchy, beard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the dude's 34, he's got to be able to do better than that. It, it, or just don't do it at all. Well, yeah. If you can't do better than that, just go clean shave. Someone's yeah. got to tell him. Yeah, you, you would think. It's grimy. Yeah. Very grimy. But Covermans comes in. I think there was a case, and I know people talked about it, the Philadelphia game. That substitution was a bit suspect, I thought. But this game, you know, he's fit. Fit. I kind of got that in quotes. But, I mean, he's obviously... He's, he's fit. He's maybe not fully game sharp. I think in training or whatever, he's maybe you know, running as fast and as long as he ever is going to be. But, you know, just it, which comes from playing games, you'll get that sort of much sharpness to be able to like take chances, whatever it might be. That's maybe what he's lacking. I think he's probably as fit as he can be right now without actually playing games. Yeah, and, and of course, we saw, I think we saw it on the stretch, sort of where he's at, which is maybe almost there because there was you know we we noted the play in the 83rd where he climbed up for that long ball and laid it off to Brokey Brokey gets the shot on goal and then he follows up yeah just goes good for save it. from Hall but yeah he gets the rebound you know it's just the, the striker's instinct for whatever reason he knows where to be and he gets that ball gets the chance and yeah a good save from Hall but okay. his, his instincts are there you know, maybe it's like the finishing's not 100 percent but He's on his way. And then, of course, we marveled, marveled about the oh. about the pace. <laughs> yes. The pace of Danny Coverman. He just burned down that right wing, and yeah. It, it's like the, the, the defender was running through cement or something. Coverman just flashed by him. Yeah. Woo! And I, 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 you're watching it kind of unra- you're watching this play sort of unravel and you're like I think he's going to beat him I think he's going to ruin that guy I he did hey and, exactly and you're just like well okay so maybe he's a bit better off than 
Oh, there it is. The highlights are on now. <laughs> yes. We're seeing Will Bruin headed Will over the Bruin. goal. Got and there's, this is the play we talked about. Look at that. Lovely little what turn by Earnshaw. And, yeah. and there's no defender anywhere on it. You know, he's, he's got the instincts to find the space and know where the ball's going to be and get the shot off. Yeah, and I think that's the... It's promising. That's the... We kind of speculated what the future holds for uh, for Cobermans with Toronto FC. If it, mm. if it even is going to last through this season or if it's going to go on through next year. But I think... We've kind of mentioned it before when we've talked on this this podcast, just how he just seems to have something like something that I don't think we've ever seen at Toronto FC, yeah, which is just this this uncanny knack. And it's a lot. Some of the goals aren't even they're not beautiful, but just knows how to get a head on and flick it on, just an extra like one foot, or just to get run on in the right direction. It's just it's just instinct. And, yeah. and it's like you don't see that in a lot of guys, especially in this league. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, attackers need multiple chances. Even Wondolowski needs lots of chances to bury these goals and to have someone who really actually doesn't need a lot of chances to put goal, goal balls in the back of the net. That that's his thing. He's just he's able to find space to create the chance, and then yeah, he is. He's a lethal finisher. It's, it's very rarely pretty, you know, and that he's more about he's going to just guide the ball to the right place. He doesn't care about, you know, smashing it and making it look, you know, crazy. You know, he's not worried about breaking the back of the net. He's just doing what needs to be done to get the ball in there. And, um, yeah, you know, if, if only he was, you know, like five years younger or something. Uh. I mean, I can't see as if he was five years younger, he wouldn't be in MLS, would he? But anyway, um, I can't see as kind of keeping him on like beyond the end of this season. You know, I would almost maybe hope that. Well, you know, it's obvious it's a two-way street, but depending on the year goes and if he's able to pull that together, if there's like a, if there's somewhere in the works for a one-year extension that they can just come up with something to keep him on, if, if depending on how the roster works out and stuff like that. If he can be like how Brian Ching is for Houston right now, you know, obviously Houston legend scored lots of goals, but getting him on a bit, so he's a guy that is on the subs bench, he'll come off here or there and plays a part that way. Maybe that can be Kuberman's next year. Obviously, depends. You know, you obviously don't want to be paying the full DP yeah. salary and cap hit and everything for a guy coming off the bench. But hopefully, there's a way they can work it out where he can be here. But I seem to think there's like maybe. what a forty-story condo building that MLC owns right down there. Maybe, maybe a penthouse suite or something like yeah. that. It's empty right now. I'm sure they could work something. Or else. whoever's in it can be moved out by the I end of the year. Could, yeah. Something along those yeah. lines. But. You know, we'd be amiss not to mention, of course, we, we talked about the clean sheet going down the stretch. And surprisingly, you know, we both were like, oh, we're expecting four minutes of extra time. It was actually less this week. Yeah. As the, right. the, uh, in, in contrast to the bizarre five yeah, minutes like of extra Donnie time. Yeah, it's Henry have been injured. They probably had like a couple of minutes. There being like five or six substitutions. It's like, it would have been valid, like maybe four or five minutes, but only three. Like, eh. All right. And we didn't really look that uncomfortable during those three minutes. Very no, odd. I don't. I wasn't. Odd. I there was a moment sort of coming down the stretch. I think we were maybe a little bit worried. Maybe when Coves came in, I think we thought they're just trying to soak up the pressure and they were gonna lay back. And even the commentary made some. Greg Sutton, I think, made a weird comment like, "I'm okay with them doing this." And I was like, well, "I'm not okay with <laughs> yeah, them doing." No, this. Keep it. Tight. Have you not watched this team yeah. for the last I think six like, years? Yeah, we often think, "Oh, you got Cubans up there to." 
kind of latch onto the long ball and hold the ball up. And now the Cooperman's is pretty much just back there defending as well. He was like another big body back in the box to defend things, and Brocky was the guy, like the one guy up front to try to like hunt balls down. Yeah, but they were still going so, for it. Yeah, I think the, I think credit has to be given that like Toronto didn't just sit back and say okay. We're totally going to lay back in these final 10 minutes and just hope we can soak up pressure and come out with a draw. They went back at the other end of the pitch and tried to make things happen. We saw that with Broken. We saw that with Covermans. But at the end of the day, we leave with a nil-nil draw. Nil-nil draw. Yeah, and you know what? I think we touched on it. And the one the one thing I think as we exit the game, I we should talk about Steve Caldwell. He had a great game. He he was immense out there. And even just like the first few minutes, because there was a couple of balls Houston played forward, and he was up there. He was just winning that header. There was no question about it. He was, and you know, you have maybe an ideal in your head of a you know big tough centre back who will sort of bully the forwards and be winning the balls. And that was how he was playing, and he just kept it going throughout the whole game. It's. Um, there's like a tweet from uh, the Yorkies saying Stephen Caldwell is like the living embodiment of a can of iron brew today, and that's just perfect. You know, it's like Scottish and the old sort of like tough, no nonsense. Don't feel bad for losing. Hey, was wrestling wolves back when you were at your mother's teeth? Yeah. Do people in the UK know iron brew? I don't know if they do. I didn't know iron brew. I didn't know iron brew until I got the Scotland. For, for the longest time you could get it, there's certain supermarkets that carry it over here. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a Scottish soda, whatever. It's, it's like uh, cream soda, right? I wouldn't call it cream soda. It's it's difficult to describe, really. I don't know exactly what it tastes like, but it's it's really good. It's always been one of my favorite sort of drinks. I mean, they're commercials in England. It's, you know, sort of iron brew, sort of made in Scotland from Gerda's. As if, you know, it's, it's really tough kind of thing and yeah he's Scottish he's tough he stood up there and he's like a kind of iron brew it's a, it's a perfect analogy <laughs> not, not, not many people are going to understand it but those who do perfect analogy <laughs> but you know the one thing I, I was as I was watching this game you know one of the impressive things where it was kind of like it's almost like out of nowhere Steve Caldwell comes up and heads, yeah. and heads the ball <laughs> the, there was one play where the ball was swung into the middle of the 18-yard box. He clears it out and then goes and chases it down. Yes. Well, as, as Ryan Brian Richter... Victor kind of stands and watches and thinks there, but then Stephen Colbert, oop, he wins the header and that he's going to go out and block the follow-up. It's like, yeah. Unbelievable. It's... And it, the one thing I was, you know, I started thinking about was, of course, Toronto's back line of late, as we've seen maybe throughout the entire team history of sort of... You know, it's always been a struggle. We've either been complaining about the fullbacks or complaining about the centerbacks. But the one thing I think, you know, it looked like at point things were getting settled with OD back there. And as much as I, I do like OD in the sense, I like the way he talks. I like his mentality. I like his attitude. I like where he comes from. But I still think at his age, he doesn't have enough experience to sort of just get through the 90 minutes and make it happen. And when I, I'm drawing, what I'm trying to getting at is, well, like I'm looking at a team almost like the LA Galaxy years ago when they had Gonzalez and De La Garza. They brought in Greg Berhalter, ah. comes in, you yes. know, 35, tons of experience in the second Bundesliga. You know, although he was a bit long in the tooth and a bit slow of the foot, I think settled down a group of defenders who weren't quite experienced enough to kind of just like lock it down 
to make it as talented as they were. I think you need that veteran presence, and I don't think OD brings it, despite the pedigree. No. And Caldwell, I think, has come in. I might be. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun because he had a great game tonight. He's only been here for a few games, but that's the impression I'm getting right now. Is that's what he brings? Is sort of the breadth of experience on the back line, what we haven't had or yeah. we don't have. And yeah, I think that that's fair. I mean, I think O'Day was supposed to be Paul Mariner's boss man at the back and yeah he's hasn't quite proven to do that and like Ryan Nelson like a bunch of times in press conferences he's talked about you know we just need somebody in there who's gonna go out there and just get his head on the ball you know, whatever happens this guy's gonna win the ball and Brian uh, Stephen Caldwell was the epitome of that today and it seems like yeah that's what he's bringing he does as I say it's early days but so far it seemed like yeah you know he has things are a lot more organized back there um, I mean, he's had Daniel Henry and Gallo Gale at Bossamonde beside him, obviously both very young guys, and, you know, it's it's gone well. You know, at, at this stage, I'd be like, yeah, you know, let's let's get Caldwell signed up for, you know, maybe at the end of this season, he's got one more season in him, who knows, but, you know, he actually does seem to have, like, the experience and that sort of thing. He seems to be working out well, I think is exactly what Ryan Nelson has been looking for. Yeah, and I was almost... I don't know if surprises were, but I think it's encouraging to see, you know, obviously from a Toronto FC standpoint, but also Canadian standpoint, that he looks to be sticking with Daniel Henry as center back. You know, as much as it's mm-hmm. kind of too bad that we're seeing Ashton Morgan not getting a chance to sort of redeem himself quite yet. To see Henry out there, I think is is a good thing to see. And the one thing I think, you know, when we're going through the game that I noted was just like, and over the last few games, even though it seems he's, you know, he's obviously garnered criticism because. He's young, and we're seeing these like rash plays and rash challenges. And yeah. He's very maybe like overzealous on a lot of plays. Yeah, he maybe doesn't have the full concentration. It's like every game there seems to be one or two sort of like mistakes where it's like yeah, either he's not quite fully focused or he's like trying too hard. Um, I mean, he's very good at like recovering from that sort of thing. You'll often see, or you know, he's just using his speed or whatever and making good comebacks. But so like his basic decisions. Not quite there yet, but it's improving in that respect. And the one thing that you know we obviously talked about through the game was I was like, I just again in these last few games I've started thinking like, man, in two years, you know he's 22. Yeah. Uh, like I'm, I think he's gonna be. He's got the potential, I think, to be really something, really something. If he yeah. if he keeps developing, like obviously the, if the experience factor pays off. But I'm just thinking in terms of, I think his frame has enough. To put on another 15 or 20 pounds and not like slow him down yeah and imagine the fact that he can handle himself physically easily right now in the league mm-hmm. and with another like you know a little more size to him he's going to be an absolute monster in this league yeah i think that's if things work out well that that's definitely a possibility i mean even right now i mean he's like winning headers on like set pieces and that's something he's probably attacking set pieces he's probably our most dangerous player if we're putting a free kick or a corner in the box and you know he can win them at their defense as well yeah like you say give him another couple of years to like keep building get a bit heavier he could be just really physically dominant and athletic player i think you know, there's a good chance that could happen it's a question of, is he going to be able to cut out you know, what we're talking about, you know, there's those little moments where he kind of switches off or, you know, he's just like trying to try a little too hard. And that's hopefully the thing, the sort of thing that's going to come with experience. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned that Nelson went back to him. I mean, 
early in the season. Calif was out, Agbosamonde came in, did okay, and he just stuck with Agbosamonde. This time Henry's out, Agbosamonde came in and did okay, but no, he's going right back to Donnie Henry, so that is a good sign. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, One thing, I mean, you're, you're talking there about like, Ashton Morgan, it's a bit of a shame we haven't seen him. I mean, it's like, yeah, but I think O'Day's done okay at left back, and yeah, I, I'm okay with Nelson. I think Ashton Morgan's always been like the like, academy poster boy. Hey, check it out, you know. This sort of thing. You can do the it too. Canadian flag publicity, guys. <laughs> like, hey, local kid come through the academy, isn't it heartwarming? And I do quite like that, you know, he's struggling and Brian Nelson is just very much, yeah, I don't care for your PR angle. He's not good enough right now. He's not going to play. I like that he's got that ruthless streak where, you know, he's focusing on winning. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, because I think there is two sides of the Make coin. Make him earn it. A lot of times through the history of this t- this club where it's just like, you could see guys in positions where there wasn't much challenge behind them. Mm. And so where's the incentive for them to keep getting better, keep improving, and take their game to another level? Yeah. It just wasn't there. No. And this is something where I think Ashton Morgan, you know, maybe, you know, I think he does deserve to be out there. But it's like, hey, Henry's playing well and so is Caldwell, and, and we got our deal left back. What are you going to do? Yeah. You really got to do something special yeah, the, the, to get in there. Yeah, the last few games the defense has looked okay. And I mean, hopefully, I mean, this is something that Morgan will... And come back stronger from. I mean, you know, for all everyone used to be able to say, well, the White Caps never play the Canadians. I mean, you look at Russell Tybet, you know, he's had like two, a couple of years or so of not really getting much playing time, but he's had to fight uh, to get past, you know, whether, you know, the people in like Vancouver's midfield, whether it's, you know, sort of Rashad or like Robson, uh, Camillo, whoever it might be. I mean, Tybet has had to like fight for that and. This year, you know, he is actually playing regularly now, and he's doing really well. Hopefully, you know, Morgan can do a similar thing. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, Tybert earned it. Yes. He wasn't gifted it, and I think that's sort of the... I, I definitely am like, I, I want our Canadian players to get maybe a little bit better for the doubt, but then it's like you stop yourself and say, mm-hmm. no, like, they should they should be earning their spot. They shouldn't be given their spot, and it's like theirs to lose. No, you have to go, you have to compete with everyone else, and you shouldn't have, yeah. you shouldn't have a one-up on a guy just because you're Canadian exactly. playing on a Canadian I mean, team. It's like Osorio, you know, he's now kind of taken over as the, the, the big good news Canadian local boy story and he's earned it I mean you know fair play to him he you know I don't buy the whole ooh, academy product thing I mean that's just ridiculous <laughs> um, but what? you know he's from TFC Academy <laughs> isn't he no homegrown mate. yeah no um, but yeah I mean he's come out there he's made a lot of sub appearances scored some goals done well he's earned his place in that starting lineup and so yeah fair enough let's play up Osorio now uh, you know he's earned it whereas Morgan you know he was kind of struggling and uh, you know, it needs to take some time and hopefully come back stronger yeah and you know what before we kind of close out the game I actually was thinking how for once or for a rare occasion I thought the ref actually didn't have a bad game no I've got no complaints about the who was the ref today I, Salazar I think his name uh, is right so and I know we've had him yeah, before and there's a lot of plays where it's just like... Like he's one of the most like, experienced refs. I mean, there's obviously the whole lab rat thing where we were getting refs that have barely ever had any games before. Salazar's one of the more experienced. Maybe that's why. But 
yeah, I mean, there were a few times, yeah, I've got no complaints. You know, you know when you look at the game against DC and the penalty that was given to Egbosamonde, and that play down the second half, when Caldwell wiped out Bruin after yeah. the header from Weaver, like, I, yeah. I would have expected yeah, that I to be called. Yeah, I think both of us were kind of just, like, drawing or holding our breath. Like, hey, oh, oh, Nobody oh, moved. Hey, nobody didn't call it. Nobody hey. breathed. And even after yeah. the play went on, we were like, oh, oh. Okay, that could have been a penalty. Wow. And, you know, again, like later on, I think there was that one time where, um, like, Tally Hall got the ball, and he's clearly got the ball. Jeremy Brocky decides to jump into him anyway. That's potentially a booking, but, you know, he didn't actually just, like, go out there right away with the cards. I mean, he spent, like, a good 20, 30 seconds talking to Brocky, basically saying, hey, come on, fucking straighten up, don't do that shit. And, yeah, he he managed to control the game without having to be flashing cards here Did or there. he pull out a card at all night? I don't, I don't think he did. I know there was there was one time it looked like I think Richter was going to get a card. The the cameras kind of pulled away from it, so we didn't actually show it. But they didn't go back and say, "Oh, yep, Richter got a yellow card." So I don't think so. But you know, that was a ref who was he was in control of the game. I mean, often you see refs lose control, and that's when they'll start flashing the cards to try and get it back. Well, obviously, we come out with the nil-nil draw, get a point. How are you framing this, Duncan? Have we gone? We haven't lost a game in a month. <laughs> Right now, we have, but by the time we play our next games, like by next week, it will have been a month uh, unbeaten. I mean, we've had a bye week in that, so it's only three games. But um, yeah, you know, yep. give it give it like three or four days, and we will have been a full month uh, without without losing. Yeah, and we lo- we're looking ahead to Rail Salt Lake, which is a team I think. Without having looked on my phone, I think we do pretty good with them at home. We do. I mean, you, you think Real Salt Lake, you think, ah, crap, they're one of the best teams in the league. But, yeah, we we always do well against them at home. I don't think they've ever beaten us at BMO Field. So I can look ahead to this game and think, I think it's an opportunity. I think we have a pretty good opportunity to get a win at home. And then it's like, all of a sudden, we're in a position where I think Toronto is almost at a point where games they should be winning they can win you know sure. a game, this game against Houston I think I don't think they should have come away with a draw I think Houston no. probably should have beaten us yeah I mean, this is this is a game you know you go to Houston you come away with a point that you, you can't complain about that that's a good result yeah yeah you can't expect anything more especially where we've been so far this year exactly I think that's I think it's looking good and if we can go and take in uh, Rail Salt Lake at home and come away you know we should if, be as long as we at, don't lose. Yeah, we should be looking <laughs> at like that. Uh, that game, like a, a home game, we should be looking at that, you know, at least a point, maybe a win. You know, we should be looking at that where a defeat will be a bad result. I think we should win that game. game. Uh, and I think, you know what, at that, Duncan, we're getting at a pretty good clip with this podcast. And we should round it out, finish it off. Obviously, after that game, there'll be a little bit of a break. We'll be heading into the Gold Cup. A lot mm-hmm. of stuff coming up with Canada, but... We'll leave it. I think we should leave it here because uh, we'll be getting at around 40 minutes. And uh, I'll give you a second or just kind of like shout out all the stuff you got going on. Obviously, you're the man with two Twitter handles these days. <laughs> we mentioned it last time. Yes. At Waking the Red. Um, yeah, you can like follow uh, sort of me, myself personally, at Duncan D. Fletcher. Yeah, you want to even the personal angle, the personal slant of Duncan's life? Uh-huh, go yeah. to Duncan Fletcher. And then, you know, for all the, the, the blog related stuff, that's uh, at Waking the Red. Yeah. You want to hear about what Duncan's thinking in traffic? 
what he's, <laughs> what he's thinking. <laughs> Walking By around ran- the streets. Random drunken tweets late at night. You got the Duncan D. Fletcher for that. Yeah. But if you but want to know what's the thing about Toronto FC, like new signings or whatever, you know, Ryan Nelson mm-hmm. said this week, you go to Awaken the Red. Carlos Tevez rumors, whatever it might be. He's coming. I'm waking that absolutely. It's bound to happen. That, what, that's wasn't that ob- that was obvious? That was legit. <laughs> yes. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, yeah. And of course, we're at Red Nation Online at Clark Rno. And uh, well, I guess we'll be back next weekend. I'm sure Steve Perry with the game. I hope we <laughs> we, ex- <laughs> we expect. But uh, you know, we're, I think I'm looking forward to a win, Duncan. That's what I'm I'm laying it out there now. Okay. I think we can pull it off and get sort of a little right. bit of excitement heading Canada into Canada Day weekend and all that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess there's, that's there's supposed to be like Canada Day festivities and all that sort of thing. So a hey. extra flags at the start of the game. Yes, yes, like kids with flags and that sort of thing, and yeah, I love who it. knows? But we'll leave it there. Just say thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys in a week's time. Thanks. Cheers. We've got this drink that's from our locale. It's fancy, it's ginger, it's phenomenal. Eastside Stand Up is the only Toronto C specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to be involved. Reach out to us on Twitter through hashtag ESSU or at Red Nation Online. You can email us at Have Your Say at Red Nation Online or info at Red Nation Online. Get into the discussion on Toronto FC. Through Eastside Stand Up and Red Nation Online. Break it down. We got no time for American pop, so let's say spell it, just give it the chop. Ow! We've got this drink that's from our locale. It's fancy, it's ginger, it's phenomenal.